Hello everybody and welcome to 38 Weeks Ago, your weekly podcast on fantasy football. Game week 10 is done. We have 28 weeks left to go. How is everybody feeling? Is the pressure catching up with you? Let me start off with an apology. I really tried to meet with Simna Nijua last week. But our schedules just didn't align and I wasn't able to get the interview. I'm sorry about that. It would have been interesting to hear his thoughts. So, let's get into it. The first game of the weekend was played on Friday, so I hope you all made your teams. It was Crystal Palace versus Spurs. Right off the bat, I was disappointed when I looked at the lineups and saw that Udoji didn't make it. He was injured. It was a late call, and he didn't make the cut. So at that point, I was like, oh, man. Watching the match, Crystal Palace performed better than they recently have been playing, but it wasn't enough. They were unlucky with their own goal. Mr. Ward scored an own goal off the assist from an attempted cross from Madison. And now Madison has either scored or assisted in four of his last five games. For those of us, including me, who don't have him, (laughs) what do we want? Son scored the second goal. He's in my team, so I was very happy. I think he has now scored something like eight goals in his previous seven matches. The big dogs are starting to wake up. And so it just goes to show that Madison and Son are still the best picks from Spurs in an attacking sense. Ayu scored for Crystal Palace. It was a great finish off an Anderson assist. And it seems Anderson is still doing the business. The other assist in the game was by Johnson for Son's goal. The bonus points were spread this way. Son, 3. Romero, 2. Vicario, 1. Romero has been really sneaking up with the points. So keep an eye out for him if you're looking for Somebody who is not Poro or Udoji. The next game on Saturday now was Chelsea versus Brentford. As a Chelsea fan, this is so frustrating. On one day, they look like they can beat anybody. On the second day, they look like they can be beaten by absolutely anybody. Chelsea are the true definition of a wild card. You absolutely have no idea. Who's going to show up? Is it Dr. Jekyll or Dr. Hyde? They were beaten 2-0 by Brentford. Mbumo and Pinnock scored. Off assists from Mbumo and Mope. Mbumo is back. Brentford were really dangerous on the counter. They generated far more chances. Or rather far more dangerous chances than Chelsea did. They particularly exploited Chelsea where Kukureya was. I never thought he was so shaky until this game. Chelsea tried to attack. They had to shout for a penalty and Sterling was the person challenged. I have a friend who started a hashtag on Twitter, or should I call it X now, for Sterling Falls because he believes that Sterling is the most unstable body balance player that exists. He is always falling. And he falls at least once or twice a game. 
at the slightest touch. Apart from that, Chelsea, they just didn't look like they were going to do anything. They didn't seem capable of breaking down Brentford. It's hard to believe that this is the same team that took Arsenal all the way. Just last weekend. Just last weekend. I'm so happy I don't have Jackson anymore. Because he would have still been in my team if he hadn't been suspended that week. <sighs> Chelsea are so frustrating. The thing I'm happy about, though, is that I don't have Sterling anymore. I had brought in Cole Palmer. And for 4.9, that's fine. He can do nothing. That's okay. For those of you who had Pinnock, I saw him on many of y'all's benches. 15 points. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I'm also so happy that would have been such a differential. So, Pinnock got all the three points. Bumo got two. And Azure got one. Arsenal five, Sheffield nil. Arsenal had the soft landing they would have wanted after a Champions League week. They had a few injuries, and they started with Nketia, Emil Smith-Rowe. Also, Odegaard didn't play, and for whatever reason, Gabriel didn't play. For those of you who have him, I'm so sorry, that must have been so frustrating. I am so happy I don't have him, because I almost brought him back. There's really not much to say here. Arsenal were the better team, are the better team, and they showed their class. Sheffield are missing like 10 players at this point, but they had nothing, they had no answers. When Sheffield get hammered like this, it's really a true reflection of the result. Nketiah had three goals, Fabio Vieira had one, and Tomiyasu had one. The assists came from El Neni, Saka, Smith-Rowe, and Rice. Nketiah had three bonus points, Zinchenko had two, and Saliba had one. You Saliba owners, I'm sure, are very happy. He seems to be the only one who is guaranteed a spot in that back line. Nketiah is on for Jesus. Jesus seems to be injured with a hamstring, so he will miss a few games. So if you want a budget 5.5 attacker, get him on. As for Sheffield, I don't even think firing the manager will help because whoever comes in still has 10 injured players. So they're just stuck. I do. I feel bad for them. This is the worst start since Sheffield when they got relegated. So it's easy to say that they are relegation favourites. Moving on to Bournemouth versus Burnley, or as I called it, the relegation derby. In the preview part, I had said, someone needed to win. A draw for these two teams would be like a loss for both of them. And Bournemouth came on top, 2-1. Taylor scored a really good goal for Burnley. And they took the lead. And then an old name that we have mentioned in the past, Semenyo, was back and he scored. I must mention that after the goal that Burnley scored, that Taylor scored, Bournemouth looked much better after that. Billing scored the winner with a chip just from past way the halfway line. Wasn't as deep as Hurricanes. If you haven't seen Hurricanes, go look for it. But it was a chip. Mr. Trafford was caught off his line. And that was the winner. I have said before, company has tactics that suit a team that is much better than the one that he has. They can only play that style in short bursts, but it's never long enough 
he is still refusing to adjust to the Premier League. I know they say Dululu is a Sululu, but <laughs> that's not going to cut it here. Moving on to Wolves versus Newcastle. 2-2. Two, two. First thing I must say is, I had mentioned previously that Tonali was under investigation for match fixing. Sorry, betting. He was found guilty. He has been banned for 10 months. He will therefore not be available for selection until August next season. Newcastle lost midweek in the Champions League to Dortmund. And that poor form came into this game. They didn't seem to concentrate well. Even Trippier was making poor passes. But that was the whole team as well. Callum Wilson was good. He scored two goals. He currently has the best goal-to-minute ratio in the Premier League. So, do what you will with that information. I have previously sung Wolves' praises. They're just a good team. That Korean guy scored again after giving away the penalty for Callum Wilson to score. Neto again had a part to play in this one. He had an assist. However, there is sad news. He got injured just as he was about to provide an assist for their third goal. He pulled his hammy and now it's a matter of oof, how long will he be out for and can they manage without him? I don't know who can replace what he does and so we shall wait and see. In the meantime, if you're just brought in Neto, I'm so sorry. I'm just wondering now how Wolves would respond to this setback. Newcastle defenders gave us zero. Trippier, a mighty zero. I hope none of you brought him in this week. Burn got zero. Everybody got zero. It was not a great Newcastle showing. So I hope you listened to me and didn't put two Newcastle defenders. And if you did, Paul Anna. Wilson got three bonus points. Lemine got two. And Fabian Shah got bonus points. Again, for the second week in a row. Before we move on to game day two, let me give you a few random stats over game day one. Bournemouth have won a Premier League game for the first time after a run of 13 games without victory. They lost 10 of those games. Now a funny one. In the last six months, Brentford have won more Premier League games at Stamford Bridge than Chelsea. They've beaten them twice. Chelsea have only won once in the last six months at Stamford Bridge. Keep that in mind as you choose your Chelsea assets. Sheffield have conceded 29 goals in the opening 10 matches and have conceded more goals from set pieces than any other side. Pedro Neto has provided seven assists, which is the most in Europe's top seven leagues so far. Game day two. Everton 1, West Ham 0. This game was very difficult for me to watch. I really endured as I watched this game. It was a Sean Dyche masterclass. Very dull. Very boring. Nothing going on. But somehow they won this game. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored. And now that's his 50th goal in the Premier League. Well, not this season, but in total. Since Harrison came back, Everton have appeared to be more dynamic 
and they're starting to create more chances, the effect that he has had on them is exactly what Crystal Palace are missing since Eze and Lisa left. Well, no, I won't say left, but since they got injured. West Ham were poor in this game. Bowen had two chances that he could have scored on. They are on a poor run of form. They haven't won in their last four games in all competitions. And random fact, this is the first team that has held West Ham to a clean sheet. Dominic Calvert-Lewin had three points, Ranthwaite had two, and Mikolenko had two. Moving on to a much more exciting game. Aston Villa versus Luton. Luton a Sheffield United in sheepskin. They are the whipping boys that I had told you about, except they're not getting whipped. They are a bad team. They somehow manage to lose without making it look as bad as their performance was. I honestly think they are worse team than Sheffield, but the results won't show you that. You just watch them. They're bad. If that game ended 6-0, 7-0, 8-0, nobody would have batted an eyelid. That's how dominant Aston Villa were in this game. A certain one of us, Mr. Wow, had thought of putting Watkins as his captain and went through with it. And he was punished. But Watkins had at least one assist denied, one goal denied. He was dangerous the whole game. It was just unlucky. Olesana. For all of us Matty Cash owners, aren't you so happy that he got subbed before they conceded? That was so sweet. Especially if you saw how stupid the goal they conceded was. It would definitely make it into a bloopers reel. McGinn scored. Diaby scored. Bailey had an assist. Douglas Louise had an assist. And Diaby had an assist. Diaby had three bonus points. Douglas Louise continues his brilliance with two bonus points and McGinn had the final bonus point. Douglas Louise has either scored or assisted in four of the last six games. Brighton won, Fulham won. Brighton are missing many players right now. Brighton also, unlike all the other teams, are the one that seem to really struggle after Europe. Ferguson scored a good goal for Brighton off a gross assist. And Palinia scored off a Brighton mistake with an assist from Wilson. It was a really beautiful goal. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It was as good as Nketiah's. Brighton keepers make poor decisions still. It doesn't seem to matter who you put in. And it was a goalkeeper's pass that inevitably led to the Fulham goal. Up until that point, Brighton were in control of the game. But once Berlinia scored, the game became shaky. They had the better chances, but they just couldn't convert. They would be feeling like they let themselves down. And if you're Fulham, you're feeling like you really stole the points there. Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest. Let me start off by saying that I brought Salah into my team. I said, I am not losing any more of the Salah points. For a while there, I was really scared because I had made two transfers and lost minus four just to bring him into my team. 
And at 2-0, it didn't look like he was going to score. I was like, oh shit, I messed up. But he scored the third goal. Yes. Nunez scored. And Nunez has scored or assisted in each of his last four appearances for Liverpool. I have seen some players like Mr. Mutune, who used his wild card. He made a good team selection. Just look at his team. He and, uh, and one or two others brought in Nunez into the team, and I think that was a good call. Salah has now directly contributed to 18 goals in his last 14 games at Anfield. So that man delivers at home. Darwin scored. Jota scored. Salah scored. Sobislai had two assists and Nunez had one assist. Wood was injured for Nottingham Forest. And so they really didn't quite have a striker. However, the wildest story coming out of this weekend and this particular matchup was that Luis Diaz did not play and it was for personal reasons. The personal reasons were his parents got kidnapped. Colombia is a wild country. His parents got kidnapped. As for the last time I checked, his mother had been found. They haven't found his father yet, but we hope that he will be found safe and sound. Liverpool were the better team in this fixture. Soboslai did all the connecting. If you're looking for an alternative in your midfield and you can afford him, he can be a sneaky differential. Simikas takes the corners on the other side. So if you're looking into a set-piece taker and a cheap defender, Simikas is still 4.5 before he balloons up. Nottingham made two mistakes, especially for the third goal. They literally, there was a huge miscommunication between the keeper and the defender, and it left a clear goal for Salah. For us Salah holders, we are thankful. But if you're a Forest supporter, that was bad. <laughs> Sobosly had the three bonus points. He was incredible. Van Dijk had two. Alisson had one. And Darwin Nunez had one. As we move to our final game, the Manchester Derby. All I can say is Haaland, Haaland, Haaland. I had seen that some of you guys had removed Haaland. I know I've been talking about it, but you know, talk is cheap. It's hard to bet against Haaland. I've said that repeatedly. I couldn't even remove him as my captain. And I was rewarded. Some of you were punished for not having him in your team. And some of you were punished for not having him as your captain. I know I have previously said that it doesn't feel like they're looking for him. But in this game, boy, were they looking for him. They really created chances for him. I'm even beginning to wonder if it's just the subtle change of having Silva and Grealish on that created the spaces for him to flourish. Because it doesn't feel that way when it's just Doku on the wing. Even though Onana considered three, I would say this is the best performance of his I have seen in a Manu shirt. He did well to really deny Haaland scoring three or four goals. Man United are such a puzzle. Well, to be fair, they are missing many players, so it's hard to really judge them based on what is not their final form. But I am struggling to understand what Ten Hag wants out of his team. He is not getting anything out of anybody. 
It seems like he wants his players to press. But if you look at the first goal again, Rashford was nowhere. He doesn't press. And now he doesn't have Sancho to be the scapegoat. Ten Hag has to change what he is doing. He needs to be bolder with his decisions. He needs to drop players and maybe give others an opportunity. Because at this point, it's just insanity. He's repeating the same thing with the same guys, expecting a different result. They look worse than they were last season. It feels like Rangnick is back at the helm. The gulf between these two teams has never been so clear. It looked like proper men versus boys. Haaland had the three bonus points, Walker had two, and Silva had one. Haaland scored two goals and Foden scored the other goal. Haaland has now scored as many Premier League goals as Manchester United have this season. Hoyland and Anthony have both produced zero goal contributions in seven appearances each for Manu. They really need to fix that. They can't attack. Maybe they should sign Eze and Olise. <laughs> the average points for the week was 67. If he got below that, keep trying. If he got above that, well done. The highest points this game week was 134. And in this case, somebody had triple captained Haaland. So Haaland got 48. And this person had a strong team because he had Nketiah who got 17. He had Diaby who had 13. Bumo who had 13. Salah who had 8. Saka who had 6. Anderson who had 3. Saliba who had 7. Romero who had 4. Virgil van Dijk who had 8. And Becker who had 7. Moving to our 38 weeks to go league table. At number one, we have a new number one, who is the old number one, but a new number one. Why Are You Running has retaken the lead from Simunani Jua. He had 83 points, which gave him a total of 680 points, which is 20 more than Simunani Jua, who got 61 points. So number two and number three are tied with 660 points, 20 points behind Number one. Number four is Don Bottlet this year, Mr. Mutune, who made very good changes with his wild card. I applaud that. Look at his team. He had 80 points, 646, so he's 14 behind number four. I mean, behind number three. And number five, we have Melvin, who had 76 and had 627 points. Congratulations, Leon, on retaking the lead. With your 83 points, you were the second highest points tally getter in the group. Number one was number seven, Mr. or Ms. Control-Alt-Delay, Cheese Garnachos. He had 86 points. That was a great haul, and they are the leader of our group. If you are listening to this podcast, get a hold of me. I don't know who you are, so... I'd love to talk to you. Looking at the bottom of our table, we have Washira Kitahi, 
who had 56 points and had 476. He didn't have Haaland as his captain, but he had Haaland. Number 20 is Thagan Agderu. He slips through storms. Didn't have Haaland at all. Number 19 is tied with number 20. With 64 points at 5 of 5. The last has 476, so he's a bit off. Melvin Katharima Mount Freemasons had 518 points. And number 17 was Jeremiah Obiri, who was the second highest points getter in our group with 84 points. Well done. Taking it one week at a time. You're fighting. Keep fighting, guys. There's still over 25 weeks to go. We're still good. Things can turn around. In the top 10, only one manager doesn't have Haaland and Salah. Therefore, the lesson is get Haaland and Salah into your team and then fill out the best way you can. Looking towards game week 11, this time the game starts on Saturday, so you don't need to worry about a Friday night fixture. Fulham kick off the day with a match against Manu. Just by looking at the fixtures, it is clear that Champions League is the next week. So it is possible that there will be squad rotations to many teams, especially as we're heading into this crunch period of qualification out of the group stage. My new take on Fulham, this is an open game because both of these guys suck going forward. In theory, Manu should win this game. But on the ground, they're not so good. They're not convincing. Ten Hag needs to do something. At this point, if you still have my new assets, it just better be Fernandez or McTominay. It is really hard to recommend anybody from this team right now. Same goes for Fulham. Palinia scored, but that's rare. You're better off counting on Dick Cordova Reed or William. This could be the kind of game where it's also 1-1 or even clean sheets for both teams, given the lack of attacking prowess. Moving on to West Ham, Brentford. Bomo is on good form. Wisa, Janelt, Jensen, Pinnock, who seems to be scoring goals now, might be a differential defender should you need one. On the West Ham side, you cannot look beyond Jared Bowen. He has been scoring every away goal for West Ham this season. And that should continue. He missed two chances in the last game against Everton, but he should have woken up. Brentford will also be very happy because West Ham will be coming from Europe. They haven't won in four games. Their form could continue, and this could be a great chance for Brentford to take advantage of them. Burnley versus Crystal Palace. You have Kolyosho, Taylor, and Foster. Those are the dangerous people in Burnley. I think Crystal Palace, though are struggling to attack, will have enough to defeat them. Mainly because Burnley make too many mistakes trying to play well, and they just can't. So once they make their mistakes, they will be punished. With Crystal Palace, I guess you have to look at Ayu or Anderson, or Mateta, and Edward. That's it. Everton 
versus Brighton. Brighton will be playing in Europe. They will be coming from Europe. This should be a game that Everton can take advantage of. Brighton have conceded in every game this season. And this run should continue. Everton have a great opportunity to defeat Brighton while they are still figuring out this whole Europe balance. So Dominic Calvert-Lewin, possibly Harrison and Dokure. For Brighton, depending on who's fit, at this point it's really Ansufati, Mitoma and I guess Ferguson. Those are the three best opportunities for goals. Gross should also never be discounted. And that's about it. Man City are playing Bournemouth. Haaland will be my captain. I have Alvarez as well. I'm hoping for both of those guys to just assist and score with each other. Bournemouth have the opportunity to get a goal. It's possible. And if it happens, it'll either be Solanke billing or Semenyo now that he's back. For Man City, holders, just keep whatever you have going on. If you don't have Haaland, sucks to be you. Sheffield United versus Wolves. Sheffield are not performing as well as they could. They will be beaten. But having said that, this will be the first game Wolves are playing without Neto, who has had seven assists this season. He is their best creator. He is the best creator in the Premier League right now. Will they be able to create? There will be a lot falling onto the shoulders of that Korean guy. And it will be a good game to sort of see how Wolves handle not having Neto. And it is also a soft landing for them in terms of how they will approach the next few weeks without him. This is a good practice match because it won't be so demanding and it won't be too difficult, at least in theory. Outside the Korean guy, if you have that giant guy, Kalatsic, that wouldn't be bad. Budget striker. I watched a game in the past and there was a guy called Bellegarde. Something like that for Wolves. He was quite fascinating to watch when he played. I don't know if he'll play or if he's an injured or something like that. But if he's available, he would be a great differential. Also, looking at the Wolves squad, Aitnuri has been moved into the left midfield position. And if that continues, he will be a midfielder who is a left back, essentially. It'll be like a Gareth Bale type thing before he became Gareth Bale. Not to say that Aitnuri is anything like Gareth Bale, but that man charges forward and finds himself in interesting positions. So if you're really a gambler, he would be one to look into. For Sheffield, I got nothing. Maybe that hammer guy, but I don't know. They are not in a good spot right now. And they're missing so many players. Luton are playing Liverpool. I didn't know this, but now that I'm thinking about this, this would be a great game to have Salah as your captain. Or Darwin Nunez if you have him. Because this game should be a walkover. That's all. It should be a walkover. However, having said that, Luton have not yet been beaten the way they deserve to be beaten. They are whipping boys who refuse to be whipped accordingly. So, even though Liverpool will win, it may not be the 5-6-0 that we all want it to be. 
And then finally, on Monday, we will have Spurs versus Chelsea. It is really difficult to say what Chelsea will show up, but I can tell you which Spurs will show up. The league leaders, they have been the most consistent team so far. They don't have Europe, and they have been playing well. So stick with Son and Madison if you have them both. If you have Romero, stick with him. If you have Boro, stick with him. Those are the best options from the Spurs team. It's really hard to know who will play, but Sterling is a safe bet. Cole Palmer. I don't have any faith in their defenders and neither should you. I say that even though I hold one of their keepers. If you are holding Chelsea assets that are not named Gusto, if you have Gusto, it's time to say goodbye. Rhys James is back. Get rid of Gusto. He was cheap. It's time to say goodbye. So, if you're holding players that are not Nicholas Jackson or Gusto, those are fine. They will or they will not perform. Given how they're doing this Dr. Jekyll and Hyde thing, at this point it's impossible to know which Chelsea will show up. The only thing you can expect from them is inconsistency. Apart from that, I hope you are well. Have a great week and see you on the pitch. Ciao.